we are very happy about the progress of the company for sure. And way above $100 million right now as I look at the ARR as well as we currently are at the company uh, at ServiceFacts. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. Hey, folks. My guest today is Neil Brewer. He's the Chief Executive Officer at ServiceMax and a member of the Board of Directors. He's got an extensive background in the tech industry and a proven track record of growing businesses. Previously, he was a CEO of IPC Systems and during his tenure, sold the company and led a SaaS and data transformation of the company. More recently, he served as an operating partner at Silverlake, the global leader in technology investing. Earlier in his career, he was part of John Legere's leadership team that helped transform Global Crossing through consistent growth. Neil, you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it, Nathan. You were before my time. What was Global Cross? I was born in 89. What was Global Crossing? Oh, you're, you're a young one. I'm actually turning 45. So now I've become the old guy in the room. But uh, <laughs> Global Crossing was a very infamous telecom company that actually the world is benefited by now. They laid undersea cables by which internet was able to go across continents. And it was one of the hottest startups, by the way. I think the fastest to get to $15 billion of market cap at the time, startup that was formed by a founder called Gary Winnick. And uh, I actually came to Global Crossing the day uh, the company was declared bankrupt. So that was my first day was the dot-com boom happened and uh, the bust happened and Global Crossing had its financial issues. And the CEO that I became part of, John Ledger, who ultimately also was CEO of T-Mobile, who did a great job over the last number of years, uh, him as well as the leadership team, which I was part of, we restructured the company and ultimately sold it to level three about eight years later. So um, it's part of the, it was a little ahead of its time, but uh, you know, we, we got it back on its firm footing and uh, it's doing great things for the world right now. Well, congrats on that. I wanted to obviously now shift back to service, Max. I want to congratulate you, but my research is a little confusing. There was a PR uh, piece put out September 10th, 2021. That says it was announcing your second quarter fiscal year 2022 results. But I don't know how you can have a press release before 2022 hit, but you broke a $100 million run rate effectively in that release. So I want to congratulate you, but where am I wrong? Why is my timing messed up? You know, it, in the SaaS, in the enterprise scale SaaS world that we're in, like Salesforce, when they when they put out their earnings release, the fiscal year is actually a year ahead because our fiscal ends <laughs> January, end of January. And so it's a little kludgy, but we didn't get the math wrong. It was within calendar year 21, 22. So uh, we are very happy about the progress of the company for sure. And way above $100 million right now as I look at the ARR as well as we currently are at the company uh, at ServiceFacts. What, when was the last thing you guys disclosed publicly in terms of revenue run rate? You know, we were we were getting very close to going public at the tail end of last year, December. And fortunately, we've got great investors. We're owned, as I said, by Silver Lake, who owns about 80% or some a large percentage of the company, as well as GE and then Salesforce Ventures. And we created a process to go public. Thank God we didn't go public because of what we're watching in the marketplace. And as a private company, we're able to still stay focused on customers and our employees versus all the mayhem that's going on with public companies. But uh, 
Um, I think the last disclosure we made was we were approaching $150 million plus of ARR. So um, really when was that? that, as well as getting operating profit and free cash flow positive as well. It's a big point of differentiation that we've done over the last three and a half years as a standalone company coming out of GE. No, that is that is impressive. But when did you announce that you passed $150 million run rate? Do you know? I think uh, November of last year. November. Okay, interesting. Disclosure. Yeah. Now it's obviously hard to grow. You know, companies, most companies I've on are doing 10, 20, 30 million bucks in ARR. They're venture backed. They need to be growing 100%, 200% year over year. It's hard to grow 150 million bucks to 300 year over year. What's a yeah. company like you target in terms of year over year growth rate? You know, our, our Q1 run rate, we're a private company, but I target it as 30% plus on organic um, and uh, organic growth that we've been getting on the business. So we've been doing a 20 to 35% is kind of the the kind of vicinity where at scale it starts to make sense. Plus, then, you know, view around profitability and free cash flow, which we've been really focusing on as well, in addition to the growth, uh, Nathan. And that makes sense considering your pedigree coming out of Silver Lake, which we'll get to more in a second. But first, let's like jam out on product here for a minute. What is ServiceMax doing? Who are you selling to and what are they getting? This is the best part of the conversation, in my opinion. So, the company was formed 15 years ago by much smarter people than me, founders Athani and Hari. Uh, built the company actually, and was one of the hottest startups, which ultimately got sold to GE, I think in 2016, Nathan, for close to a billion dollars. So did a phenomenal job with answering your question, which is what we still do, 100% focused within the field service management marketplace, where in essence, a product, so I'll give you a real example. I think this will kind of resonate with all your viewers and yourself. Philips Healthcare, which basically does most of the medical equipment. When you and I or parents go to the hospital, a lot of the equipment is actually built by Philips Healthcare, right? So Philips Healthcare is a great customer of ours. They procured our SaaS offering by which they have their technicians that fix those products and those medical equipment in those clinics or hospitals. Our software allows the technician to actually get scheduled, route the right technician to the actual appropriate hospital that needs fixing, get to the equipment. And within the equipment, Nathan, we within ServiceMax allow the technician to see what part to fix, what's actually covered by warranty. When do you actually close out the job by which the customer gets notified? When do you actually then come back and maybe do uh, additional maintenance plans beyond the standard maintenance plan? So gives Philips Healthcare an ability, which is very important to have that service revenue resilience and customer satisfaction to that clinic or hospital by which if one of us or your parents or family members goes to the hospital, that equipment actually works, right? And mm. that's what our, our product does from on a SaaS platform, as you know, um, and a very compelling piece that we're the leaders in the marketplace, six times Magic Quadrant leader uh, for this specific niche, which is an awesome niche to be in, particularly what's going on in the world. Who's, who's in second and third place? So I, you know, I don't even care about second and third place. I'm focused on <laughs> such a good, customers. such a politician. That's such yeah, a good. I, I, no free marketing for your competitors. Their rear view mirror, Nathan. You can find <laughs> them in some random podcast. Not yours, but uh, that's we're, funny. Uh, we're so it's it's actually awesome. You got me on my soapbox. Like Carrier, right? A big company that does all the HVAC for commercial units, plus also cargo ship cooling. So. Unbeknownst to many people, the cargo ship cooling industry is huge, right? On transporting goods around the world. Our software, Nathan, allows for the uptime of those ships by which with all the supply chain constraints, you then know that the cooler is actually working. A huge complex piece of equipment used by ServiceMax by the technicians to figure out 
what ships actually can actually transport the foods that we all need, particularly in this very trying time that the world is in. So really great stuff and an honor to be the CEO of the company, given the importance of the software and what it does for our customers. Get help help my founders learn here. 2016 G buys the company, obviously bullish on it, 915 million, a billion, whatever you want to call the number. But then it's just two years later, right? They're now selling a major truck majority stake back to Silver Lake. So did GE just decide, you know what, this is a sort of a, a distraction. We want to sort of get rid of it. It's still valuable. I mean, what why buy it and then sell it two years later? Yeah, they continue to be an investor in our company, right? A minority investor. But GE, as you probably followed, went through a lot of stuff. They continue to go to a lot of stuff, right? Three, four CEOs went through. Uh, that gamut during that time frame, and they were divesting significant portion of their company to generate and gather cash, right, and focus back into their niche of what actually created G. What what was it, 100, 150 years ago? So, ServiceMax was a very uh, tip of the spear for them to be a digital software company. And you know, as we've seen, they've reverted back to their industrial roots. Having a software company of our scale, of our expertise, made sense to be in another company. And that's why they engage with our current owners to figure out how can they get cash on their balance sheet and also let us do the things that we are uh, currently doing. Quite frankly, we're a big provider of many GE kind of business units, their ultimate utilization of our software for their field techs as well, Nathan. So Mm -hmm. a real win-win at the time and a great deal struck by our investors, quite frankly. Yeah. So how did GE keeps 10%, I think. Silver Lake, is Silver Silver Lake the sole buyer, the other 90% or their other financial backers here? Salesforce Ventures came into ah. the uh, into the business as well. Uh, I bet I think two and a half years ago. Interesting. Okay, now explain how you you know we talk about founder product fit, right? How do you end up inside of ServiceMax? Now it sounds like you you were at Silver Lake first. Yeah, so I I've spent uh, a small amount of time at Silver Lake as an operating partner. I ran IPC actually was owned by Silver Lake um, initially, and I became the CEO of that company when Silver Lake was the majority owner of that company. We then transformed that business, was able to transact and sell the business to uh, another buyer. And I then came back to you know, the homestead in uh, at Silver Lake and ultimately got involved in another number of deals. And I raised my hand and said, put me in, coach. I see you guys were able to strike this deal with ServiceMax. You need a new executive team. I want in the game. I like running teams, Nathan. I don't like you know uh, being in anything other than the environment that I'm in. And I said, look, if the opportunity exists, put me in and let me run the company because it's something very unique that I hadn't seen previously in my career. So um, I really wanted in to make a difference in the company. And for the last three and a half years, this team's done a remarkable job so far, you know, running ServiceMax. So pretty proud of the, the progress. How many we've folks made. are on the team now today? We've got like 580 people. Okay. How many engineers? Engineers are 250 of that. Okay. Interesting. Now you're not a pushover and you're talented and you have a lot under your belt. So you're asking for equity coming into this deal. How's a guy like you, you know, trying to negotiate a position in a thing like ServiceMax? How much equity do you come in and ask for? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you the, the equity piece. It's actually something I've forgotten, quite frankly. It's, uh, I like the, I'm 40, as I said, I'm going to turn 45 in a month or so. And I'm at the position in my life where I've, I've been lucky to have been in very significant positions before ServiceMax. I kind of started a little early and I'm now really focusing on how could I scale this team? How could I ensure that our team is actually getting all the things that I got for the last 20 years and the mission of what we do, Nathan, for our customers, it's it's really the thing that gets me up at night. So this isn't a go make money and figure out how to transact. This is for me, and this is why I said, put me in coach. 
this is a company that's going to make a difference for a long time. I don't want to leave for a long time. This is a company I want to, quite frankly, if I can retire at. And, you know, there's so much runway for the business that we're doing. So that's how I looked at it, Nathan, versus the, <laughs> the dollars and cents behind it. Fair enough. You're a nice guy. Uh, how, many, uh, how many customers now today? We've got over close to 400 now enterprise okay. customers, all enterprise the, B2B and you know, large enterprise to give you context. In the press release, when uh, Silverlight came in, it also said 400 customers. That was several years ago. So you've either, you've sort of maybe churned lower ARPU and added higher sort of AC folks, or you've expanded in the accounts to grow revenue. Sort of which one was it? Yeah, we've done a great job um, around our, our uh, retention rates are in the mid to high 90s, right? So we do a phenomenal- Gross or net? Uh, gross. Uh, okay. our, our, we actually put a press release up for our net retention. Our net retention is in the, in the 115 to 121% range, right? So it's, okay. a, it's a very nice. And what we've done as a team extremely well is we went to the Philips Healthcare's of the world carrier who predominantly, fascinating by the way, Nathan, is those customers, many times, even those huge logos, still are doing manual processes for the thing that I talked about as the workflow. So we've done a phenomenal job growing the wallet share of the existing customer base. And quite frankly, some of the customer count, right, as you've seen other companies, we look at the quality of the customer count. And of those 400 initially three and a half years ago, we've created a lot of new logo impetus too, to make up for the kind of customers that we quite frankly didn't really address in the manner that we think we could grow into. So Within that, underneath it is great retention, great upsell into the existing base, but we've done a really nice job on new logos as well to get the right customer set to grow into over the next three, five, 10 years. Do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products. That's plural forward slash valuations. Again, both plural founderpath.com forward slash products forward slash valuations. So moving forward, let's say you, let's just for the sake of a demonstration here, you add no new customers, but you want to keep growing. And so you need to build product to upsell and add more value to your current base. What products would you go build? What are you thinking about? So one that we just released that we're, you know, is not seeing the material revenue upside yet, but we will, and we're seeing the current bookings occur. We created, so that example I gave to you around the technician going to Philips Healthcare's hospital where they install the equipment, right? We provide the software by which the technician sees on their mobile app and knows what to fix, when to fix, and how to fix it, right? We now created and released a product called Engage, where that same functionality, Nathan, it was born out of the pandemic where technicians couldn't safely go to the end site. We are now giving the clinic the same utilization and the same UI to do a self-help and self-fix the asset versus a technician going out there or route using our collaboration tool to the experts that are remote at Philips to actually do a remote fixing of the actual asset. So one mm -hmm. of the things we're doing, and again, Philips is actually deploying this now to their end customer. So Philips is the customer record. 
they'll procure licenses to give to those clinic, clinic or hospital staff that could do some of the self-help. We see that as a big impetus for the company in an area that, again, like you said, we're creating larger wallet share of real need for our customers by developing very innovative solutions, which the, P, the R&D team's done a great job doing. The Philips technician, though, just to be clear, you're not a marketplace. That technician isn't employed by you and you're matching in them with Philips when they need it, right? No. It's the Philips badge employee. Okay. So yeah, that, they are a full-time employee at Philips. Yep. So the way our I model, see. the reason why you get such resiliency, if you create a great UI, create the right workflow, those technicians, the licenses are procured by Philips Healthcare, the head of service, head of IT, as CFO, right? Not the technician, and yep. we're not a marketplace. For yep. the most part, complex assets, Nathan, for what it's worth, since you opened that question, and we love this space, to, to serve a complex asset, you need a skilled technician to do that, right? And, and most of the time, 80% of the time, that's a, a badge employee. 20% of the time, by the way, they will train third parties and certify them. They'll just procure the same sort of licenses from ServiceMax as they would. Um, they'll manage their workforce. We'll give them the licenses to do that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, how many individual technicians across your or service providers are managed right now? Seats sort of across your 400 customers. Yeah, there's um, there's at least 7.8 million technicians. Wow, let's call it 8 million technicians around the world. To give context of why that your question around that 400 customers, how much they could continue to grow, only uh, three to 400,000 or thereabouts are technicians that are using ServiceMax. The predominance of, so you're asked, like you might say, well, well, who's using the 8 million? It's actually not our competitors, right? It's a very, we have smaller competitors. Most of it is still manual processes. You put these guys and gals out in the field and they're using their spreadsheets or their clipboards to figure out how to solve an issue. So 7.8 million is the market. You haven't captured it. You've got about 300,000 right now. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Got it. I was going to say 7.8 million across 400 customers is almost 19,000 technicians. No, 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 per. no, no, no. <laughs> like, that's a no, big no. That's, that's why the runway is so long here is those technicians aren't actually using a competitor tool. They're using pen and paper Excel. Yeah. That's still big though. If you've got 300,000 seats across 400 customers, that's still an average of 750 service providers per logo you're managing today. Yeah, it's great. That's, I mean, it sounds healthy to me. Interesting. Um, I love how you talk about economics and profitability and free cash flow. Rule of 40 is obviously a popular metric in publicly traded SaaS. I imagine you thought about this back end of last year. Where are you guys at right now? Or last, you disclosed it. Where are you in terms of rule of 40? Yeah, we're, we're, we balance the, since we're a private company and we're growing at the pace that I'm talking about, we've been uh, fortunate enough as we've been scaling into free cash flow positive, the pinpointing for a Wall Street analyst to get at the end of Q2, a rule of 40, a rule of 50, rule of 60 is not the theme that we push on, right? It, okay. Ultimately, it's the progress of the business. We have very much in our line of sight, how do we get to 40, 50, 60? And if you look at those types of growth rates, it's just a small inflection of free cash flow margin that we got to create to get to it. But right now- so You can hit that this year. You think you hit 40 this year? I'm not going to commit to any number at this current time. But what I will say is that a private company, as we look at the long term and the runway, there is a real path for us to feel really good about feeling like uh, get and achieving numbers that are in the rule of 40 plus. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. that's definitely in our line of sight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you already gave away one, one part of the equation, which is 20 to 35% growth. The question now is, can you do that? Be close to profitability, which would be sort of rule of 20, rule of 35. And then if you can generate free cash flow, obviously you break rule of 40 pretty quickly. So yeah, interesting to they, watch you guys. Yeah, Nathan, the good, the good thing is like, as every boardroom is doing is 
how do you balance up a company that's growing this space th at this pace with still free cash flow positive? Do you, do you create more investment opportunity or do you do something to appease Wall Street at this current time? We're, we're thinking through the, the dynamic as everyone is right now, quite frankly. This space is getting awesome. Finally, we're getting sanity to it. Yeah. Historically speaking, ServiceMax has not been a highly acquisitive company. Liquid Frameworks and Zinc, really only the two ones I know about. Uh, backed by private equity firm, you'd think you guys being the hub, there'd be many more spokes you're bringing under your umbrella, especially right now when you could argue software companies are cheap or cheaper to go acquire. Any M&A on your, on your roadmap? You know, I, we, we, uh, we bought Liquid Frameworks, our biggest uh, M&A deal since the company was formed. It's in the oil and gas, renewable energy space, industrial services. And my theory, the reason why you're not going to see the constant drumbeat of just buying companies, acquiring them, integrating them, particularly when it's a mission critical application like this, Nathan, the headline of buying a company doesn't do any difference. It's actually creating value for the customer. And as you know, it's easy to do a deal. It's within a deal structure. It's much harder to make sure the customer is really happy with now the combined entity. And we're focused in on that. I will say we're watching the market very closely. We have a M&A filter and a target list that we take uh, very seriously. And if things continue to get rational the way that we are starting to see in the private markets, this is going to be a great opportunity for the strong to get stronger. But right now we're focused on organic growth and, uh, and making sure we run the business efficiently. That's a big part of um, what I think we're proud of over the last three and a half years of doing, Nathan. That was a $148 million deal price back in November. Obviously, you want to keep talented folks around. Typically, there's cash plus earnout plus stock. Are you able to share what portion of that was cash versus you know stock or earnout? No, I'm not. I, you, didn't, you guys I, haven't talked about that publicly? I don't think so. Okay. Fair enough. Um, let me see here. Did you do... Um, a lot of the press around what you guys are doing end of last year, I mean, you guys are talking about like SPACs and stuff, which I would argue is just like from a discipline perspective. I mean... Now you look at SPACs and you go, eh, are these things like a big gimmick? What's going on here? I mean, why even waste your energy and time even thinking about that at the end of last year? You know, it was, um, I think it was a great, uh, there's two things that actually was the value of doing it. Number one is we're public company ready, right? And creating all the infrastructure, brought in general counsel, uh, brought a chief accounting officer and having the hygiene and discipline to be thinking like a public company is actually of real value. In addition to obviously having the private equity back mentality, public companies go through different types of scrutiny. And that whole foundation laying is, I think, long-term a really good thing, Nathan. I, who knows when the public markets open up again? What we will have is the ability to actually execute on whenever that opens up in the next year, two years, three years, four years. But that hygiene and foundation laying was really important. And I think accelerated some of the strength of the foundation to do things like M&A over the next number of years to actually continue to think about the trade-off of organic growth versus profitability. And I think that discipline was awesome. So I look back at it, we chose not to go down and execute on the SPAC at the end, by the way, to be clear, but the all the work that we did was huge. 100 plus investors that never knew about ServiceMax, being able to talk to them like we are with you, Nathan, and going mm -hmm. into the guts is always a good thing. And now we're seeing the value of that of people, investors that wanted to invest in the company as a public entity, now looking at it saying, hey, there's an M&A target that same, seems really interesting, the ServiceMax, now I learned about it, why don't you go talk to these guys? So I think the more people learn about ServiceMax, yourself, your viewers included, really fall in love with the, the actual business. And then the economic model 
is very alluring. And so more people know about it, the better. And I think that's the value. Looking back at it, of course, what's happened in the SPAC market, you'd be like, man, but we didn't know that 2020 hindsight, but we gained a lot from the process, Nathan, for sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, last question here before we wrap up. I mean, I would argue, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but if you guys were listening to list today, I don't know that'd be super strong listing because look, you're seeing massive valuation range on net dollar retention. I mean, I, I understand 120 is fine, but like best in class public, you're talking 135, 140, 150. Um, yep. And so, like, you know, and they're sometimes even growing, you know, they're growing at fast rates in 25 to 30%, you know, year over year, right? So, like, how do you, how do you think about sort of that balance? And do you, I mean, do you think you would do well today? Would you trade at more than 1.4 billion valuation if you IPO today, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, right now with what's going on in the world, the best thing I'm telling my team myself when we wake up, keep running this business, the progress that we've made over three and a half years, we continue that path. We're serving our customers really well. The options exist for the company, whether it's public, whether we continue on the journey privately, uh, whether we team up with another partner, just keep focusing on these customers and we're doing a bang up job. And if we if we just think about a single moment of valuation metrics, you kind of think in a way that's very short term, and we have the luxury of thinking uh, longer than that. So I believe that that focus is going to reward the shareholders extremely well, and I think we'll create a great company that will be a very one that we'll all be proud of. Neil, let's wrap up here with a famous five. Number one, favorite book. Favorite book. You know, I've got a lot of biographies that I like. I don't really. What's the last one you read? The last one I read was uh, the Jeffrey Immelt book, actually. Uh, hmm which was interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't really have a favorite book. I'm a big reader of like nonfiction. Um, so all magazines, if you want any magazine description, I have probably have subscription <laughs> to all of them. And that's uh, and the print version, by the way, Nathan. So I'm the only one remaining like it's the print version. That's awesome. We'll have to send you. I don't have any copies laying around here right now, but we've got a version that is only SaaS. Here we go. Only SaaS focused. We'll have to ship you a copy, right? Please uh, do. Number two, CEO you're following or studying? CEO I'm following. You know, I got to meet Brad Smith that ran into it um, a couple weeks ago, and I was just blown away. So I've been doing a lot of following of Brad Smith and what he did at Intuit and had the opportunity to spend a number of hours with him. So look them up. Great, great CEO and someone that you know is paving the path for people like us. Number three, favorite online tool you use to build ServiceMax? Favorite online tool. You know, we've got my uh, commercial. We've got an awesome tool called Zinc, the collaboration tool that our engineers use, our salespeople use. Get Zinc and allows you to run a more efficient company, particularly um, in this world that we live in where it's a hybrid approach. Number four, hours of sleep each night. What's the average? Six. Five and a half. Last last night four. Last night four. The the kids got up. I got a nine and seven year old and a puppy. So oh wow, uh, and a CEO job with everything going on. So it's uh, it's fun. Married to sleep is for the week. (laughs) Married two kids and Neil. How old are you? I am going to turn forty five in July. Take us home. Something something you wish you knew back when you were twenty. It's a long long road, and (laughs) the quick wins are good at the moment. and uh, But it's the journey that matters. That's truly in the relationship you make. 
guys. Service Max launched back in 2007. GE bought for about a billion dollars in 2016, then spun it out in 2018. That's when Neil came into the picture, now focused on driving consistent, responsible growth here. They're not burning crazy amounts of capital. Uh, you know, North of $150 million run rate today, serving 400 customers, focused on providing them more value. He serves and right now believes there's about 7.8 million technicians in the world. This is the technician Phillips might recruit to go fix a piece of equipment at their physical location. Right now, only 300,000 on Service Max, a lot of expansion opportunities there. Right now, net dollar retention one twenty one twenty five. So again, room to expand there as well. Building a disciplined company here with uh, about five hundred eighty employees, two hundred fifty engineers. We'll see what Neil does next. Neil, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. Appreciate the time.